You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday, May the 19th, and as promised yesterday, I'm coming to you now from Baltimore, where I'm on the ground ahead of the Preakness Stakes uh, on Saturday. It's Preakness 147, and if you were listening to the podcast yesterday, you'll have heard Michelle Yu tee up the clash between Epicenter, the derby runner-up trained by Steve Asmussen, and Wayne Lucas's secret oath to provide the 86-year-old trainer with yet another classic success and another classic success with a filly having taken the Kentucky Derby famously with winning colours back in 1988. That's all to come for the remainder of this week. We're going to check in at home first, however, with the Daily Mirror's David Yates. And uh, David, uh, an interesting betting story from home that emerged yesterday. We get one or two of these pop up a year and they always garner maximum interest. Yeah, this is a beauty. Nothing ever happens at Kempton Park on a Wednesday night, right? Wrong. Uh, the 8.30 race, the final contest of the seven race card, looked a pretty humdrum affair and 0-55 handicap, but it attracted significant interest because of the gamble on I Doubt That, a horse who had been beaten, well beaten, on his six outings in Ireland. Four of those on the flat, beaten a total of 88 lengths, two over hurdles, an aggregate of 85 lengths, was gambled from 33 to 1 into 11 to 4 favourites for the final race, stepping up to a mile and a half, wearing a tongue strap, having his first outing for Jimmy Fox after leaving Kieran Purcell, for whom he ran at Gorham Park in April. And the gamble came off. Uh, Pat Dobbs had the four-year-old in a handy position. Uh, he disputed the lead with the drifted, well, the, 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 the morning line favourite, Illabella Fact, who drifted out, I think, to seven to one. And in the end, I doubt that prevailed by half a length from lucky draw. So Gamble landed. Um, Bookies PR said that the gamble was largely down to a, a lack of liquidity uh, from 0 to 55 mile and a half handicap and that they, they didn't foresee fortunes being taken out of the betting ring. But certainly an interesting betting story and very much a case of gamble landed. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to find out how it was done and I managed to catch up with Jimmy Fox who was having his first winner for, well, an awful long time. Was it 900 days? 925 days, I believe. There we are. Well, I spoke to uh, the trainer a little bit earlier on and asked him uh, why he thought he'd managed to pull it off. Uh, they were saying he, he showed no signs of ability at all. Well, they still got a rating of 50 and he's running a 55 race. So, like, I mean, he's entitled to have a chance if you just go on his rating alone, you know? So, go on. Tell me, tell me a little bit about how you, how you got him um, and, and how, he, how, how, the sort of, how the sort of plan was hatched, if you like. I don't know if it was hatched, but uh, the lads asked me to, uh, would I take him and, uh, you know, and see if I thought he'd do the job. So I, I, I did, you know. So um, first thing we identified is that he had a bit of a, well, I think and he had a little bit of a wind problem and probably a tongue tie might, might sort it out. 
Um, the long time he probably wanted a, a, a sort of a singe job or something doing on it was tongue tie seemed to work yesterday anyhow. And do you do you think that was just the main the main source of the well I guess the the improvement as you say you already you had already run to a racing post rating of fifty one so it's not as though he had to run masses better but you obviously knew that he had a I, I think the trip and the and the surface really would be was would have been a big plus to him you know like I mean he's a, a bit high of his action and for me like just riding him myself I would say like I mean if you did run him on grass you'd want. He wouldn't want any firm at all in the ground, you know. So Campton would suit him down to the ground. It'd be lovely for him. So that's where we went. And the mile and a half, he will stay further than that, you know. That's the thing about it. I mean, he was the last horse to pull up yesterday. And that was our view, that uh, that the mile and a half would, would, would improve him an awful lot. I mean, he ran on very firm ground. I'd go on park time before. He didn't handle the ground at all. It didn't go a yard, not apparently. So, you know, that's... You know, that's, that's all history now. So tell tell me a little bit about the gamble, Jimmy. Obviously, he was at whatever he was, sixty six to one in the morning, and then he 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 was backed pretty early on. Uh, the 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 unusual thing about this one, like two unusual things. One, it actually came off, and and quite often they don't. And secondly, um, he kept being backed even after the after the opening show, and often these ones drift quite a bit. W- was it? Would, would, would there be a lot of money for him though? Like I mean, like I mean. I know the lads were having the best, but like I mean, I don't know you. You, you, you try and get money on at sixty-six to one. You see what you get on. I mean, or thirty-three to one, or twenty to one. You know what I mean? It's very difficult to get money on nowadays. I mean, I don't have anything to do with the betting side of it, so I wouldn't know. I mean, years ago, like if you wanted a bet, you you know you get the bookmaker to do it for you, and and he would you know spread your money about and get you a few pound off. You, you know that's how you did. You done a deal with your man, but I don't know how it all works now. But um, I, I don't. I wouldn't think there was a massive amount of money on him to tell you the truth, Nick. Um, I think there was probably bits and pieces through the day that kept the thing going. You know. I mean, J- Jimmy, you've been in the game a a, a long time now. Um, you hadn't had a winner for a, for a long time. You drive to catch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. T- I haven't even had one to fancy. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about sort of day to day to day life in the Fox House now, and and so, you know how many horses you train, um, you know, and and so how you make the business work. Well, we've got um, we do a bit of livery business as well. The wife does liveries and that. We got two bounds, and she, she does a bit of transport for Hannans and that, and. Um, she, you know, and we pull along, we rub along that way, you know. So we got about nine or ten horses in training. Um, so, you know, we've got some young horses. We're trying to get them in, into some sort of a, a category where they can go and win a race from, you know what I mean? Like most of the horses I get, they wouldn't win a maiden if you let them out the race before, you know. So you have to do the best you can for them and see if you can get a rating where you can operate on, you know. So hopefully it's not too low because you want to get them in, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're dealing with ordinary horses, but we get all we got plenty to do, we got horses and plenty of work to do and we do it ourselves, really. We got the help of Hannans next door, the boys, you know, uh, the apprentices and the work riders and things, so they all help me out. So the... the- was the, was the cat pretty well out of the bag then? I mean, it's not like you're you're hidden away, tucked away in secret, as you say. You're one of the biggest stables in the country on your doorstep. Did every did every Tom, Dick, and Harry know that this horse was a, was way well in for a class six at Kempton? No, I don't think anybody knew. Like, I mean, I certainly didn't tell anybody. And you know, like it was 
as far as I'm concerned, it was not none of my business. I mean, the, my business is just to manage the horse and, and prepare them and make sure that everything was right on the day. That's, do you know what I mean? So that's that's all I had to do with it, really. You know, I just got to look after the horse and um, hopefully they'll look after me. And when you... um. When you drove there to Kempton yesterday, did you think, right? Well, this the, I, I just know this is going to win. How, how, I mean, did you did you have max confidence? I didn't go to Kempton, but my, <laughs> the, the wife, the wife, I sent the wife to Kempton. Well, she wouldn't let me go racing anyhow. I got too much to do at home. But um, yeah, no, well, yes, I thought he'd win. Yeah, yeah, I did. I must admit, I thought he'd win. I, I didn't think it. I mean, ride him like the best horse in the race. I'd give him a fantastic ride, but he rode him like the best horse in the race, and he won like the best horse in the race, you know. And it still was only a 55 years and nothing he carried away about it, you know. But um, it was, you know, it was Pat's a good jockey. He rode plenty of winners for us in the past, and we don't often get him because we don't often, uh, you know, Pat's always somewhere else, and he don't want to go here or there. You know, Pat, he picks and chooses rides, really. Now... The, 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 as you say, you know, your job was to get him ready. Um, are the owners going to look after you and send you a few more of these projects to be getting along with? Well, <laughs> that, that should be grand, wouldn't it? Like, it never happen again, would it? Well, won't it? <laughs> it may. It, it used to happen back in the day, but like, I mean, I can't see it happening nowadays, especially with. After yesterday, who going to send me one? They, they probably think I have told everybody, you know. But I don't. Honestly, I don't think there was a lot of money involved at all. I said, I said and I don't know how much money the lads would, would get on. I mean, but it's I I do believe it's hard to get on because I hear fellas talking, you know. Well, it, they must have got a little bit on. I'm hoping that you get your um you get your due reward. Uh, well, they they look after me, all right. But I mean, if they send me another horse, I'd be delighted, you know. I, I just got to go to work every day, you know. So another horse, another nice horse to be grand. Will um, will your wife let you go next time? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going. No, I like. I mean, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a hip operation. I'm crippled at the minute. I, I don't go into the twelfth of July to get a new hip, so that slowed me down a good bit. But. Um, I'm still managing to get by. How much of a kick did you get out of it? Uh, it was it was important, really, you know, because um, it's not really um, it's not really about money. At the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I mean, the money is handy when you win a few pounds on that. But it really isn't about money. It's about getting it right and and um, getting it right for the horse and the owners and just getting it right on the day, you know. And it, it went right, so that's that's the thing, you know. Just getting it right on the day, it's a, it, that gives you the bit of a buzz, you know. More than you know, you wouldn't be thinking about money watching the race. You're just thinking about you know how things are panning out for you, and that's it. Well, thanks for chatting to me, Jimmy. <laughs> Welcome, Nick. Talk to you. Right. Good night. Jimmy Fox there talking about the the gamble that was landed last night at Kempton. Um, I enjoyed listening to Jimmy Fox there, Dave. So did I. And there are, there are always two schools of thought on um, instances like this, Nick. Some, I think, members of the racing media get a bit of, of an attack of the vapours and say, you know, what, what chance have punters got when things like this are going on? And others just say, well, isn't this, isn't this the appeal of horse racing? Um, 
certainly we're going back a very long time now, but I got into racing because of I, I, this perception of a bit of uh, smoke and mirrors, just for the benefit of any libel lawyers uh, who may be tuning into the NLD. I, I do not mean skullduggery uh, or dishonesty on the part of any licensed individuals, but merely situations where things are not as they appear to be. And it seemed as though I doubt that didn't have any ability and was going in at the pretty much the, the bottom level for his British debut. Uh, this is terrible after timing, but of course there were, now that we're viewing the race from the other side, there were perhaps uh, dots that one might join. Um, first time tongue strap, stepping up to a mile and a half. Uh, the damn mill point of, I, I doubt that, was a winner on the surface for Amanda Perrot and was also, I think, a half-sister to Moorside, who was second in the Cheshire Oaks uh, for Charlie Hills. And so, they're, they're, as I say, classic after-timing, but looking back at it, you could see why um, I doubt that could be a better, or could be a better horse than that BHA rating of 50. You mentioned that uh, there was one instance, in fact, the... the um, it was the second start at Killarney when I doubt that ran to a, a BH a, a racing post figure of fifty one. So yeah, I I just say well done. I, th I think that the the attraction and the beauty of horse racing is when a skilled practitioner gets hold of a thoroughbred and says, you know what, I think this might be significantly better than uh, the BHA assessment of fifty, and we should do something about it. If there is a a, a, a hue and cry today in the racing media i would ask one question and that is if we were in a situation whereby we had shares in a, a cheaply bought horse who seemed of very modest ability and the trainer said to us i think we might have something to work with here would we ring the bha and alert them to the fact that we, we felt that the bad that the, the bha handicapper had got uh, their sums wrong and perhaps alert the racing media uh, to same? Or would we say to the trainer, crack on, we're going to take the bookies' trousers down and give them a damn good thrashing? I'm not sure how much, as, as he pointed out there, I'm not sure how much of a thrashing you can actually give a, a bookie these days, particularly when said representatives have, have flagged up a small bit of money first thing in the morning. But anyway, that's how the gamble was landed at Kempton Park last night. Uh, rather more fundamental to the, uh, to the sport at the moment is a, a top flight Group 1 racing and a horse that we'd really been looking forward to seeing. We're going to have to wait for a little bit, Dave. We are indeed. Uh, Adey are, of course... Uh, the impressive Kazoo Derby victor of 2021, who then, of course, became the first Derby winner since Galileo to follow up in the King George at Ascot the following month. Then, of course, the, the two defeats on Rain Soften Ground in the Ark and the Champion Stakes at Ascot. He was due to make his return to action at the scene of his greatest triumph, uh, shall we say, in the Coronation Cup at Epsom on June the 3rd. Those plans have now been uh, shelved. Charlie Appleby uh, did a, a, a video on uh, social media yesterday that said, uh, Adiar, who was an intended runner some months ago, has met with a minor setback and was coughing for a few days. So the, the issue was, was viral rather than mechanical, if you see what I mean, or physical. Um, I just eased off on him for a week. And just in doing so, he came on a lot in the week, 
will probably be giving the coronation a miss. Just fitness-wise, I won't have him there in time. Adiar is most likely to be heading towards the Prince of Wales's for the first start of his four-year-old career, said the trainer, who will now be represented in the Coronation Cup by Manobo, who was second in the Dubai Gold Cup on the the, um, Dubai World Cup undercard at Maidan in March and steps back to a mile and a half. So uh, interesting that we will see Adial not at a mile and a half, but at 10 furlongs for the Prince of Wales' stakes, which um, I think even at a fairly long range is looking at uh, looking likely to be one of the, the races of the meeting. Well, I've devoted entire podcasts to the next horse we're going to talk about before uh, because of his ownership, Reach for the Moon, who was supposed to be the Queen's Derby winner in Platinum Jubilee year. We've spoken about it earlier in the week. Uh, he, he's not, he was not, not going to make the Derby. He is going to make his seasonal debut tonight at Sandown Park in the Heron Stakes over just a mile. Indeed. Um, and if there was an element of expectation management on the part of the connections of Reach for the Moon, well, I think this probably has gone into overdrive ahead of the Colts' reappearance. I'll just read you out the quotes uh, very kindly given to me by John Gosden. It's not been easy uh, to get uh, too much information for the media uh, with regard to Reach for the Moon, or certainly I know you've been luckier than I have, but this is what he said in any case. Um, he's back in training, but he's just ready to get on the racetrack and to have a race. I'm very clear that he will benefit greatly from having the race, and if we are to try and run at Ascot, we have no choice but to run here at Sandown, because being a group winner, there is nowhere else to run him. Um, being a three-year-old, there are no other spots to go. It's the one race that he can run in with a penalty. He's carrying plenty of condition. He's been off a long time. Uh, they've got some rain coming at Sandown, which might make it a little more tiring, but he needs to get back on the race course, and that's why we're running here. It's more of a watching brief tomorrow more than anything else. So they're not expecting, or at least they're warning us, not to expect fireworks uh, ahead of that reappearance. As you say, over a mile, uh, you've, you'd spoken to John Gosden previously, Nick, and obviously a, a horse who initially was spoken of as a Derby hope. I think he was about second, he was about eight to one second favourite for uh, the classic on 1000 Guineas Day when when the story started about him possibly missing his intended reappearance in the Dante Stakes. But John Gosden is now looking at this as a, as a 10 furlong project and the, uh, the Hampton Court Stakes over that distance at the Royal Meeting will be reached for the moon's target if, if everything goes to plan at Sandown Park this evening. I feel I feel really sorry for them, really, because I, I shouldn't do. I know, but this evening it's, it's possible he's not even the best horse in the race. You know, I, I, there's two horses against him that look absolute potential stars. I mean, my Prospero William Haggis cannot train a loser at the moment, and for the same connections, saddled another ridiculously impressive winner yesterday at Air Maestra, um, was very impressive at Newbury uh, on his seasonal debut, and Aku Najla. Roger Varian's uh, half-brother to Galileo Gold, 2.7 million guinea yearling by Kingman, looked completely out of the top drawer at Yarmouth and got a seriously good review from his trainer. So, you know, Reach for the Moon could run well and finish third and everyone would be disappointed. Yeah, that's very true. It's, um, they're on a hiding to nothing to a degree. I mean, yeah, you know, yes, of course, what, everything that you've just said is right, but isn't it great when you have a, a, a horse like this who runs in the Royal Colours who 
about whom people are, are really excited and they, they want this to be a star. Of course, in horse racing, we all know uh, that uh, lots of swans turn out to be geese and that's a, a, a rather crude way of talking about a horse uh, who is already a group winner as a two-year-old. But I, I think that in many ways, of, of course, there is an element of excitement and to a degree, uh, excitement that isn't quite justified. But we all want the Queen to have a really good horse. We would love her. We would love to, to have had a Derby winner. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that I agree with what you say, but I also think that this is inevitable. And I think it's a really good thing. Imagine if this horse does yet turn out to be uh, a Group 1 winner over middle distances uh, during 2022. It might not be uh, the, the race that we would all want, the, the Kazoo Derby, but if it's others, that would be, um, it, it would be a, a, a cause of celebration and it will be a cause of huge interest outside the, uh, the racing village. So, uh, you know, let's, let's see what happens tonight. I'm sure that even the... Uh, Republicans amongst us will be hoping for a really bold show from Reach for the Moon at Sandown this evening. And Dave, whilst the, the Temple Stakes will no doubt be of interest to people uh, on uh, Haydock on Saturday, of greater interest will be Ireland's 1,000 and 2,000 Guineas and Tattersall's Gold Cup, the three Premier Group 1 races in Europe this weekend. Absolutely. And it will certainly be a... Red letter day, another red letter day for Charlie Appleby, if the betting is to be believed, for the 2000, the Irish 2000 Guineas, because Native Trail would bid to become a third Guineas winner for the trainer and with three different Colts. Caribus, of course, beat Native Trail in the Kipco 2000 Guineas at Newmarket. Then, of course, Modern Games lifted the Poule de Sede Poulain at Paris Longchamp last weekend. And now perhaps a third Guineas with a third horse, courtesy of Native Trail. That'll be interesting, Nick, because I think that subsequent to the 2000 Guineas at Newmarket, a couple of commentators uh, expressed the opinion that, that maybe Caribus had been advantaged by his track position and that the opposite was true for native trail. So I think for those of us who thought maybe that settled the argument as to who was the best uh, three-year-old miler in, in Godolphin stable or indeed anywhere else, uh, they, there may yet uh, be more to come on this. And as you say, the, the 1000 guineas and the Irish 1000 and the Tassels gold cup, um, Alan Care for William Haggis, you mentioned can't train a loser at the moment. Mick Swinney uh, makes his return to action for Jim Bolger in the Tassels Gold Cup. That's a, an interesting pair in that race. So, as you say, much to look forward to at the Curra this weekend. Well, with an eye to the weekend in Ireland and one or two other things, because his horses are running quite well at the moment, uh, it's good to check in with William Haggis. Uh, William, we can't start this interview without asking how Baid is after his, well, I was going to say exertions, but trip to Newbury is probably a better way of putting it. Yeah, he seems fine, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> good form and a very fresh yesterday and today. So that's good news. I, I mean, and nothing to add from presumably what we spoke about last week in terms of planning and thoughts and, you know, how you how you imagine the rest of it all panning out. Not really. I think... Uh, I'll be bland and say one step at a time and Queen Anne next. Excellent. Let's talk about this weekend. You've got Alon Kerr coming back in the Tattersall's Gold Cup. He he actually ran pretty well in Dubai. Has he taken that well? 
Yeah, he was a bit battered and bruised when he got home, but he's back in good form now. And um, just hope we get a bit of rain. I think it, I think rain is quite important to him, especially at this trip. And prior to that, he'd recorded a really good time when he beat Lord North at, at Lingfield. Uh, do you see him as a slightly faster horse this year than perhaps you'd imagined last year? Well, all his best form, Nick, is is at a mile and a quarter. You know, he's second in the Jodmont and, and uh, as you say, a good effort in the Winter Derby. Um, and he beat Yabir and Adair in the Sandown Classic trial last spring. So, but I've always felt he was a mile and a halfer. But, uh, you know, he's, he, he's running well at a mile and a quarter and I'm desperately keen to try and win a Group 1 with him. So... This was the obvious race to go for. Yeah, it looks a good opportunity. You run a filly called Purple Pay in the Irish 1000 Guineas. She's one of the more experienced horses in the field because she had a whole bunch of runs in France, in the provinces and at the Paris tracks for, for Cedric Rossi. She's come to you. What do you think of her? Uh, she's a sweet filly and very able filly, uh, very kind, um, you know, relaxes well. Uh, she doesn't, to me, have a soft ground action, although most of her good form is on soft ground. Uh, she looks uh, to have a fluent action. Um, and we've sort of planned this, you know, the Jacksons forked out two million euros for her. So, you know, they want to be trying to run in group ones. And uh, she, she's a little bit to find on the book, but she's pretty useful filly. Um, talking of useful fillies, I just about managed to catch a, a replay of a, a filly that you ran yesterday um, at air called My Astra in the uh, Rothsay Stakes. My oh my. I mean, listed race, yes, group one, no, but 12 lengths? My God. I know. It was, we couldn't really believe it, really. And she was always travelling well. And, you know, we thought, oh, well, maybe she won't find as much off the bride. And as soon as Tom said go, she went. And um, I don't know how the others in the field ran, but it looked like they ran pretty close to their marks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it was pretty amazing. We, we couldn't see it. But the horses are running well at the moment, so things like that happen when that happens. Um, they, May it continue. they do. Do you have to slightly sort of recalibrate now in terms of what you think she might be? Well, my plan was always to go for the hoppings to Miss Ascot and go, to, go for the hoppings at Newcastle on plate dear and um but she we also did put her in the pretty poly at the cura so i guess uh, the cura's favorite now uh, unless it's really firm it looked like she enjoyed the ground yesterday so if we get a bit of cut in the ground she'll be going to the cura and if not she'll go uh, for the hoppings uh, and same colors you've got um, my prospero tonight is it at sandown 7:15 uk time uh, who was again quite impressive at newbury the horse is running as well as they are at the moment it's a pretty spicy race as we've been saying with roger varian and john gosden's good horses in there are, are you pretty hopeful yeah we like him a lot but we i you know the form of his um Newbury race hasn't worked out. Thesis got beaten in an ordinary maiden at Lingfield and the third got beaten at Chester. So he's got a lot to find on the bare form, but he's always been a nice horse and he works well. Big, scopey horse, very attractive horse. And I think this track will suit him. What I'm trying to find out is whether he's St. James's Palace material or Hampton Court material. And I suspect it might be the latter, but 
Today will tell us all we need to know. And yeah, tomorrow will tell us whether Lysander is Derby material. We heard all about him from Harry Herbert earlier in the week. He sort of took the pressure off you a little bit, or put the pressure on, I can't, I can't work out which, but um, you obviously think he's a good colt. He's, he's a nice horse, and he, his work has been good this spring. Took a bit of time to, to, to get the hang of it, and didn't winter as well as you'd hope, but he did one really nice bit of work on the grass with Tom on board about uh, a month ago and that, or five weeks ago and then he won easily when he ran but uh, only a maiden and uh, and we'll see tomorrow whether he's a genuine derby candidate or whether he's uh, Ascot material or whether he's neither and I, c- I can't let you go without asking because in the when we were talking after the lockage the other day uh, you were rushing off. Well, you were—I don't know where your head was all over the shop because your wife Maureen had just rung you and told told you that your daughter was about to have her second baby. So, has all gone well? Yes, Nick. Thank you very much. Uh, Six-hour labour, uh, but a filly foal born uh, close to midnight in Dubai on the Saturday. So it became a great day. Became a momentous one for us. Uh, Nine pounds fourteen ounces. So. I'd say rather her than me, but uh, uh, both mother and and child are very well, apparently, so um, a bit battered and bruised, our daughter, but uh, the baby's fine and all will heal. So, uh, great. It's very exciting. Uh, What a week it's been. It has. Fantastic. William Haggis there, whose horses are in quite irresistible form. I just wanted to pick up on an interesting piece from John Lees in Thoroughbred Racing Commentary today. Well worth a read. Uh, Michael Michel, the French jockey, is moving her tack to the United States, to Kentucky, to be based uh, there uh, with the help of her husband and manager, Frederick Spanu, the former jockey. Uh, she was former champion apprentice, and she said to John in a, a really good piece, Uh, I'm sure America will be a very good experience. I hope the owners and trainers will love my riding. I've ridden approximately 300 races on dirt in Japan and Saudi Arabia. That could be good for me because every French jockey who has left for the USA hasn't necessarily had experience on dirt, but I have. She also says, in Japan, they gave me a chance. In the USA, looks like they have a lot of super female jockeys. They don't have women like that in France. They don't seem ready for that. I don't know if it will be better for me in the USA, but I will try. Um, So... Good luck to uh, Mikael, who rode 72 winners in 2018 to top the, uh, the apprentice table. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's interesting that because, of course, over the last couple of years, we've talked about the, um, the allowance that female jockeys have had in France and how that can uh, promote opportunities for female riders there. Um, she's, as you said, she's had uh, experience and success in Japan as well so it'll be very interesting to see how things go in america but as you say she she uh, she carries our best wishes and dave finally following your success on monday with a five to two winner for nick like daily podcast followers in lord brian um we want more of the same please well i hope that that will be provided by mary of modena in the four o'clock race at lingfield park fully trained by michael atwater got off the mark at windsor over five furlongs last time was strong at the finish the step up to six should suit and a four pound rise in the weights looks within range here four o'clock race at lingfield park selection is number two mary of modena that's modena Uh, i'm sure that you've selected this horse in part to give the commentators a schooling session in how to pronounce italian correctly whatever gave you that idea (laughs) 
<laughs> Dave, thanks so much. Uh, thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday, May the 19th. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.